Let's get started over here. We left off actually a few lines from the end of that Chafum base. Um, the Gemara, the Gemara cited the Mishnah Loi Bezefes. About three plus lines from the bottom of that Chafum. The Loi Bezefes. Zephes says the Gemara is zifta. Okay, surprisingly, zephes. The word zephes in Hebrew is the word zifta or zifta in Aramaic, right? And that is uh, like pitch or tar. Um, says the Gemara, shaiva kirusa, and wax is wax. So, okay, tana adkan pasul. Excuse me, adkan pasul. Adkan psilis. Up until now, we've been talking about psul psilis about uh, invalid wicks. Right, the rest of the Mishnah from this point on is talking about invalid fuel types. Says the Gemara Pshita. Isn't that obvious? Like, obviously, you, you can't make a, 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 a wick out of tar or pitch. Says the Gemara, no, Shaivet Strichle. In fact, we could have, in theory, been talking about wax. Very interesting. Right, you might have thought that um, shaiva, that wax, can't be used for psilis. The answer is no. In fact, you can use wax, in theory, if you can make like a sort of um, a sort of candle. Rashi says they made something very similar to, uh, to what we make. They had a candle with a wick inside of it. Sometimes they would do that. So if you can, if you can somehow do that, if you make a proper candle, that works. That's fine. Um, in terms of a... Uh, in theory, in other words, in terms of a uh, of a wick, that's okay, you know, as long as you had an alternate fuel source, I suppose. But shaiva, which is beeswax, is invalid, right? This is not to be confused with our candles, which are paraffin, which are which is a wonderful uh, a fuel which burns very very quickly. Um, okay, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Amar Ami Baravin, Etrana Psulta de Zifta, Shaiva Psulta de Tavsha. Right, there are two things. Etrana, Etran is the Psilus of Zephas. It is the the byproduct of Zephas. That's what Etran is. We talk about Etran, Beneft, all these things in the Mishnah. So Etrana is like the 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 byproduct that comes from uh, that comes after you get the uh, the Zephas from the tree. So, in other words, once you kindle it, so some kind of other liquid comes out of it, right, from the heat. And that uh, that clear liquid is what we call itra. And um, uh, shaiva is psulta de dovsha. Beeswax, right, is the byproduct of honey. Says the Gemara, who cares? What's the importance of these definitions? It's interesting because, I don't know, for some reason, we spent the whole chafum uh, base defining what things are. Um... Uh, uh, you know, it was obvious. Uh, excuse me. It, 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 for some reason, that wasn't a problem, right? Uh, so Taisa says that there was uh, the meaning. The meaning of the words was obvious. Everyone knew uh, what wax was. Everyone knew what it was. And the question was, what is the practical ramifications of defining things so carefully? You know, what was he trying to tell us? Something that is, so, you know, he, he walked outside and he said the sky is blue. Something that we knew already. Says the Gemara. Says the The difference is when somebody orders, um, you know, shaiva, you have to make sure to give him only the byproduct of dufshi. You have to make sure if, it, if someone puts in an order for beeswax, 
that means he gets um, the byproduct of honey and not some other replacement. Because you can say, when I say dovsha, when, when I say shayv, excuse me, when I say wax, I mean the thing that is the byproduct of honey because, as Rami Baravan says, that is the standard definition of honey. It's like a very bob metzia, of a beeswax. It's a very bob metzia type of thing. Okay. Tonabana. Kol elu sha'amru ein matlikim boya m'shabes avoisimahen madura. Everyone, all these things that we said, you can't light. You can't make a candle out of them on Shabbos. However, you make a, you may make a, um, how do you call it, a uh, bonfire. You can either use it to warm up or even for light, as long as you have, uh, what Rashi describes as a large fire in which each of the, the fuel items is kind of burning off the other one, right? We know what fires look like. So, right in that scenario, you're allowed to make even in these with these low quality fuels and wicks. You can make a large fire. Um, you can warm up next to it. You can use it for light. You can put it on the ground. You can put it on your uh, your your ancient stove. The only issue is making a sila, making a wick. Okay. All right. Says the Gemara, "V'loy b'shemen kick." Okay, my shemen kick. What is shemen kick? What kind of thing is that? Amar Shmuel shall tinu l'chol nechuse yama. I ask all the seafarers, right? Because if you want to know about an exotic, uh, what's the word, commodity, you um, you should ask a seafarer because they're very they're, they they know these things. Ramuli, they told him. There is a bird in the islands, in the cities, of, in, the, in the cities of the sea, rather. We kick Shemai, and it's called Kik. That's the name of the bird, and this bird is what they produce the oil from. Not clear exactly which part of it. Maybe it's supposed to have a gland or something. Maybe it's look greater Yehudamar. Mashcha, maybe it's the schmaltz, maybe it's the schmaltz of the bird. Um, mashcha de kaza, right? It's um, cottonseed oil. Cottonseed oil, yeah, that's a, that's a familiar name. That's what we're talking about, cottonseed oil. Rishlokish says it's something entirely different. It is kikoyin which according to many explanations, I think that Rabbi Dr., uh, I think, um, Rabbi Steinsaltz translates this as well. Um, the Kikoyin is a castor plant from which castor oil is produced. So, that's yet a third potential explanation for what Shem and Kik is castor oil. Okay. On that, on that topic, Rabbi Barbachana says, I've seen the Kikayin Diyayna. I've seen this plant, right? I don't know. I don't think that he means I've seen the exact plant which uh, Kaddish Baruch grew for Yayna. Um, I think what he means is that he has seen such a plant. Um, so, what does he say? What do they do with it? Well, it's a It looks like a... Um, the word it looks like a um, 
the particular type of tree. Um, can't remember the uh, exact name of the tree. I'll look at my little handbook of tree names. Because I simply do not remember. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, it doesn't help much, but similar to the ricinus tree. Okay. Looks like another tree. <laughs> um, the Pashki Rabbi, it grows in swamps. Vialpum Chanusa Madlon, and people put it at the door, the doorway of their stores. Very interesting. Right? Why? Well, it was the same way that, you know, if you walk into an, a, a little mom and pop shop during the summer, they have like a fan set up right by the door, you know? Like to give you a pleasant sensation when you walk over the threshold, that's a very effective marketing tool and it's been around for a long time. So you put this nice shady little shrub um, in front of the door of your store and that makes people feel on a hot day, it's very pleasant to walk into the shade as you're going into the store. Okay? Um, uh, they place it at the door of the stores from its uh, seeds uh, oil is made um, and all the uh, all the what do you call it all the Yisrael, all the people of Yisrael, um enjoy cooling themselves down um, cooling themselves down uh, at, under its leaves. Okay. Maybe sick people. Okay. Amar Rabba, Psilis Shabun Chacham Ein Matlikim Bohem B'Shabbos. They show Ur B'Sachsachas Bohem. The wicks which the Chacham describe Ein Matlikim Bohem B'Shabbos. We don't light. Uh, we don't use them, right? We don't light them. Why? We, we still never explained. We had all these. We had a whole big Mishnah. We spent a lot of time dealing with uh, definitions and um, descriptions, but we still haven't explained why you can't use these wicks. Says the Gemara. The fire doesn't burn smoothly on them. It, I think the best word is it sputters. It sputters on these wicks. They don't have a good uh, right. So what the problem is? We're concerned. That you're going to um, um, uh, you're going to be as shemiyata. We're concerned you're going to adjust the wick so that it burns better. Because if it's burning poorly, you're trying to see you're going to end up messing around, right? Just unconsciously. This is not. It's a little hard for us to identify with because we don't really use um, wick and oil systems very often in our normal life. But this was the norm. So. You got to use a good quality wick. That's number one. Right, the oils which the Chazal say you can't use, right? They have a problem with in the fact that they do not. They don't draw well. Maybe they're too viscous. Maybe they're just not sure exactly what exactly what it is. It is there isn't even necessarily a unifying factor. The one thing that we do know about them is that they don't draw well into the wick and therefore they don't burn nicely and therefore you may try to adjust the wick in order to create better light. Okay. Bomi Abayami Rabba. 
So Rabbi has a good question. Shimonim shom chamim aligma mishabbos. Ma'ushitul teichen shemen kol shuviyadu. What happens if I mix, if I have one of these invalid oils? I have an oil that I'm not supposed to use. Right? Uh, you pick it, shaman uh, kick, whatever it is. And I take some nice clear olive oil and I pour it in, I mix it up. I make a mix. Migas renon. Right? So apparently, that would solve the practical problems in a big way. That, that would help. That would make it the, that, would, that, would, that little difference would be enough to help the oil burn nicely. Etc. So says Asabaya, Migas Rinon. So what, what is the premise of this question? It would seem it's obvious, right? Of course it's fine. Once you mix it up, it's fine. Once it's burning nicely, it's fine. Says the Gemara, not so simple. Migas Rinon, Dilma Asila, Luke Maybe we should make a Xera saying that you might end up lighting the fuels that are invalid on their own. On their own. If you're, if you're gonna every week you're gonna make a mixture of olive oil and shaman cake and castor oil, right? Maybe eventually you're gonna to come to forget the olive oil, right? So that really is a very interesting zayir to make. Amalei, He says, you know what? We don't do that. You can't light such a thing, right? You can't make this mixture and light it. My time, madlikin. That is a very funny thing to say. Um, uh, the the ring on the side. In the Mesir Sashas, they quote the Aruch, who says, We have a received tradition um, that Ein uh, Madlikin means Ein Madlikin. In other words, it's not that. Uh, here's the problem, and, and we're, I'm just going to, I'll just bring you into it right now because we're going to run into it in really just a few lines, but it should really set off our alarm, such a thing, because it sounds like a Gzair Gzair. Right? We generally don't have enactments, rabbinic enactments on, on rabbinic enactments. That's not usually how things work. So, um, we don't want to have a xero So, why would we have a xero here? Why would we say, you can't even mix olive oil into your shaman kick because you might come to light with shaman kick, which is a xero that you're not allowed to do. Right? That's a little bit of a strange thing. So, I, so the way the Aruch seems to be explaining is that even though all that is true, nonetheless, our tradition tells us that you're not allowed to light in this fashion. And another possible explanation is that he means that the original halacha is not in fact there have been an enactment, but it's some kind of like Kabbalah, like halacha Vashmi Sinai. I don't think that that's really a viable shot. Okay. So... Right, so in other words, what you're saying is Eimat Likin, why? Even though you're right, really it's a Gezeira on top of a Gezeira, but our tradition tells us that we don't like such a, such a mixture of oils. Okay. Elmer of Shemeng Amliel, Shal Beis Abba, Hayu Korkin Psila Gabi Egois Umad Likin. Very interesting. Says of Shemeng Amliel, in my father's house, they would um, tie a wick around a nut, Umad Likin, and light it. Says the Gemara, "Katani mias madlikin." Right? It would seem that, uh, in fact, right, that in fact you are allowed to light a wick, which is wrapped around something else that's not a good wick. Right? They would take a good wick, they would wrap it around a nut, which is not a good wick. Right? And um, so we see clearly that by mixing up that, and when it comes to these issues, we were talking before about oils, but now we're talking about wicks. That you can mix up your wicks. If I can mix up my wicks, then why can't I mix up my oils? Says the Gemara, Amar Lei Adam Oisvisli Midrash Shem Gamliel. 
right? Sayinhu, Mitanakama, why don't you bring me a proof? Why don't you bring a proof to the Tanakama? I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I skipped the line. Aceve. You should have started I should have started from Aceve. Let me take you back for a moment. My mistake. Aceve. If you wrap something, a wick, with which it is not correct to light, around something with which it is correct to light, you can't light it. Rabbi Shemuel disagrees. Right? And he says, I, in my house growing up, we tied the, the wick around a nut. Which seems like a strange thing to do, but that's what they did. So, Madlikit. Like it or not, right? We ultimately do say Madlikin that um, that uh, you're allowed to light it. So I'm going to add the Maishus Lim Shemugamliel. Say you Tanakama. What kind of kasha is that? Uh, it's 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 a Tanayim clearly. Shemugamliel holds not like what I'm saying, and the Tanakama holds holds like in fact what I add goes works with me. So what kind of kasha is that? Says the more you're mistaken. Holy kasha, that's not an argument. Meiserav. So this is very interesting because I don't know how universally we apply this rule. But the Gemara is saying Meiserav. In other words, in this case, uh, people translate the word Meiserav differently. Some people says say that Meiserav means the story is the Rav, um, like the Rabbi. Some people say um, it means that the story is great. Meiserav. This is a big story, right? Big story. Read all about it. Whatever it is, Rashi explains what it means in our context is that because we see that a great person like Shem Gamliel's, right, in other words, Rabbi Gamliel's household um, did this, so we know that it's the correct thing to do. Right, and maybe, maybe I wonder if it's specific to the fact that Rabbi Gamliel is like the Nasi, like it's not just anyone. I wonder. Okay. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara and Komakam Kasha. So what are you going to do? How are you going to explain this? My love, says the Gemara, lahadlik loy, lahadlik, excuse me, my love, lahadlik loy lahakfoy. My love, lahadlik, I'm sorry, loy lahakfoy. words, now we get to the kasha, right? My love, lahadlik, right? Must be that we're talking about lighting the wick. So if you're lighting the wick with a nut wrapped inside of it, we see that you're allowed to mix in, um, invalid wicks with valid wicks. Right, in the same way, you should be able to mix invalid oils with invalid oils. Says the Gemara, loy lahakfois. We're talking about using the nut as a floater, which, if you think about it, makes a lot more sense, right? You need something to kind of stabilize the wick. So you prop, you plop a little nut into the um, into the oil, and you have the wick tied around it, and that kind of holds the wick in place. Says the Gemara, ilahakfois. If that's the case, my time in Tanakhama. Right? Why would anyone disagree with that? Why does the Tanakhama say that you can't use a nut as a floater? Who cares what you use as a floater? Says the Gemara. No, no. No, no. Says the Gemara. There was never really a Tanakhama. This is what's really going on. This is how you should read this passage. Right? When you wrap something which is a boy, a wick which is permissible to lie with, around the wick which is not permissible to lie with, right? boy, you're not allowed to light such a wick. But Medvor, Mamurim all that I have said, says Gamliel, is true in reference to lighting wicks. However, in order to um, uh, to help the wick flow, to use the nut as a floater, that's fine. 
because of Shemugamil says, in my father's house, they used the nut as a floater. Okay? Okay, says the Gemara, Any? it's still not true. We have a clear statement of Rav. Right? He says that if somebody has chalif, right, tallow, or krevei dagim, or fish guts, which have been reduced to liquid, right? The fish guts contain a lot of fish fat, your omega-3s, right? So, if that's, if that's the oil you have, you should just put in, ladle in a little bit of oil, and that's good enough, and you can use that as your Shabbos candle. So, we see quite clearly that you are allowed to mix in kosher oil, right? Valid oil into invalid oil, and, uh, and, and do as you wish. And you can light that. The Gemara, there's a little difference. Hani memshechei be'inayu. These um, these fuels, right? They the let's think of the tallow for a second. If you reduce tallow to liquid, it's a perfectly good um, source of light. It's not uh, it's not lacking at all. It burns very nicely, right? Hani However, the oils that we're talking about, they don't. Um, they don't draw well, right? They don't do a good job. They don't do a good job, right? They don't, uh, these are not, Shetman Kick is just not a good oil. When it comes to the solid fuels like tallow, once you reduce it to liquid, it does burn nicely. But the Chazal made an enactment. They said, since solid tallow does not burn nicely, we can't even use liquid tallow. Okay, they're entitled. Once we're at that stage, right? Once we're at that stage, says, uh, says the Gemara, right? Once we're at that stage, so, to go ahead and make a further prohibition, right? To uh, to say that if you, even if I add oil, a kosher oil to the liquid tallow, I still can't use it. That's already a lot of xeris. Uh, it's enactments on top of enactments. We don't usually do that. However, you talk about Shevin kick, castor oil, something like that, which in the first place it doesn't have any. There's no iteration of it that burns nicely. So you never uh, will we'll be. It'll be very easy for us to uh, prohibit even. Uh, just mixing a little more oil. Okay. Says the Gemara, because Rabbanon, I'll just read, I explained it all ahead of time, because Rabbanon, I'll chayl muhutach, mishim chayl v'shein muhutach. Val krevei dagim shini muhu, mishim krevei dagim shalayni muhu. Right, the Chazal made all these zeiris about uh, tallow and fish innards because in their solid form they don't burn well. Okay. Val krevei dagim shini muhu, shnasun techen shem, mishim chayl muhutach, so therefore we're not going to layer on the enactments the gazeras so thickly okay All these books and oils in our Mishnah are not permissible for use in the Mikdash and the Vesa Mikdash either. That's interesting. Mishum Shinemar says the Gemara, right? How do we know this? Mishum Shinemar Lahalis Ner Tamit. 
Because the Pasuk says, Lahalis Nertamid, that the Menorah, the, the lights in the Mikdash, need to be uh, under the the uh, the, um, the catch-all term of Nertamid. Now, he doesn't really explain what that has to do with anything. How does that, t- how does that touch the, the subject matter of our mission? He said this, he quoted it, and he also explains it. Right? So that word lahalois implies that the shalhevis, the flame, should go up on its own. Right? It should kind of burn up aggressively, uh, you know, assertively on its own. Not that it should be busy, you should be busy having to adjust it and fix it. Right? These are supposed to be high quality uh, flames. Okay? Says the Gemara Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, right? The, um, the, um, I should say, from the worn out um, uh, pants of the Koyanim, the, the knickers that the Koyanim wore, and from their uh, their avnates, their their gartloch, their belts, they would um, they would kind of tear up. These, these rags that were left, right? They would tear up the rags. And the way they would, that's how they would light the um, the torches for the Simchas Beis HaShoeva. So we see that we do light lights for the uh, for the Beis HaMikdash from even things which are um, which are not the most ideal wicks, right? So, Oh, it's important to know. Rashi just reminds us, but well, where's the missing wick? So Rashi says, remember, there's a brace that says that semer and hair, right, wool and hair are also invalid wicks. And keep in mind that the avnate, the belt of the kohenim, contained uh, um, shatnas, right? It contained clam. It was a mixture of linen and wool. So it contained wool. So we see, right, and we of course know, um, we of course know that one may not combine invalid wicks and valid wicks. That doesn't help. So um, it would seem clear that indeed one may make, one may use invalid wicks as uh, wicks which are invalid for Shabbos as wicks in the base Hamikdash. Says the Gemara, that's different. That's different. Why is it different? Tivchas base to show you shiny. It's really strange to me. I would have thought that's uh, very obvious. But um actually explains it's not a deraisa, right? It's not there's no mitzvah deraisa to have a simple space at Shaiva. So um, that being said, that being said, um, it is okay to use invalid wicks because it's not like the manure, it's not an official formal there's no there's no Xer Sakas of Lahalois Nerthal. Okay. Tashman Tani Rabbar Masna Balu Mafkin Isan. A very similar type of statement, but it's not really as limited as we would like it to be, right? Just the born they would tear them apart and use them as wicks for the mikdash. It sounds like they use them as the standard source of, of wicks for the entire base mikdash. That includes the uh, the menayer. Says the word, my love, the klayim. You must be referring to the begadim, which contain klayim, which contain both wool and linen, and that proves again that in the base mikdash, one may use invalid wicks as his wick. We're not talking about those big day kahuna. We're talking about the ones which are specifically of linen. Some big day kahuna are made only of linen. Okay. Says the Gemara, 
from a Rav Huna. Psilais Vishmanim. This is a very famous Gemara. Psilais Vishmanim. Shamu Chacham. Ain Madlikim Bohem B'Shabbos. Ain Madlikim Bohem B'Chana. Those wicks and oils, which Chazal tell us, um, are not used. Are not. We don't light with on Shabbos. Ain Madlikim Bohem B'Chanaka. You can't use them on Chanukah. Bein B'Shabbos. Bein B'Chal. Regardless of whether or not it's Shabbos, it could be a Tuesday. You cannot use these for use these wicks and oils for your Hanukkah candles. Oh my Rabbi, my time the Ravuna says, Rabbi, why does he say this? He holds that the halacha is that if a near Hanukkah, if a Hanukkah candle blows out, you have to relight it. You have to relight it. So therefore, so what? What does that do then? He actually explains, we don't want to put you in a situation where if your candle blows out, right, you're not, right, it could be, you're going to say, I, I can't, I, I've had enough of this, I'm not relighting this candle on your time, you're going to be poishaya, or afraid somebody's going to be negligent, he's not going to relight his candle, and if it's constantly blowing out, because it's a low quality wick, a low quality oil, right, it's not going to be good, he's not going to be likely to fix it when he should, okay, and, and on the other hand, you're allowed, right, this should sound all very unfamiliar, because we pass in the exact opposite way, when it comes to our Hanukkah, right? You're allowed to use the light of the Hanukkah Menorah to read a book, and therefore, on Shabbos, it's going to be forbidden as well, right? The issue of Kav Suzakuk law is not going to be true on Shabbos, because you're not going to be a big tzaddik and relight, you're not supposed to be a big tzaddik and relight your Hanukkah candle on Shabbos, anyway, right? But, um, the real concern is that you're going to be sitting there reading by the light of the Menorah, and you're going to get distracted, and Shemba Yate is going to tilt the oil, and the same concern that there always is when reading by oil lamp on Shabbos. If Chista said, you could use them during the week. You can use them during the weekdays of Hanukkah. Why? He holds during the page. Kavsa ain't Zakuklah. If it blows out, it's not a problem. So if it blows out, it's not a problem. So if it blows out, that means it's not a problem, right? So then you were not concerned that you that since it's not a good since it's a not a good quality wick or oil that's going to be blowing out, and you're not going to fix it. Let it blow out. Sometimes a Hanukkah candle blows out, you don't have to fix. It. However, he agrees, however, that it's permissible to read to do stuff by the light of the Hanukkah candles, and therefore. He can't allow you to do it on Shabbos, and Shabbos is going to say, please, please use wax, don't use oil candles, right? Please use um, uh, um, top, top quality lights, right? I said wax, wax is a bad example, but paraffin, right? So, Amr of Zeir, Amr of Master, Amila, Amr of Zeir, Amr of a final opinion. Psilais Vishmanim, Shamr Chachamim, Aim Adlikim Bohem Shabbos, Madlikim Bohem Chanaka, Bain Bechol, says Rav, you use them throughout Hanukkah, whether it's Shabbos, whether it's Chol, you can use fish guts and a nut to light your menorah, and it's fine. And in all seriousness, you know, uh, you know, amazing stories from the war when people use like a potato and a, and a matchstick to light Hanukkah candles, and that's why they were able to do this. Because, um, because you can use any fuel and any wick to light Hanukkah candles. Right, so Amr, you at my time, the Rav, why is this true? At this point, we should be able to put it together ourselves. Kosovar, he holds, Kavsa ain't Zakukla. 
Rav holds that if the candle, the Hanukkah candle blows out, ain't Zakhafa, you don't have to go back and fix it. And you're not allowed to read by its light. So therefore, right, or do anything by its light. So therefore, we're not concerned that you're going to fix the wick on Shabbos. And when it comes to the weekdays as well, we're not concerned about Kafsa Zakhafa, that if it goes out, you have to relight it, and maybe you'll be too lazy to relight it because you don't actually have to relight it. Okay? So they said this in front of Abaya in Rabirmi's name, and he didn't, for whatever reason, he didn't want to accept it. He also, Ravin, when Ravin came, Right, so Ravin, it sounds like maybe inspired them to say this whole quotation in the name of Rabbi Yechanan. And at that point, Abaya accepted it. Omar right. Abaya said, kind of regretfully, right? He says, you know, if I was, if only I was, uh, I, I had merited to accept this the first time around. Okay, but I would have learned it and, you know, in, in, installed it into my memory. Okay. Says the Gemara Vogamra. Well, you know, what's he crying about? After all, you know, he 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 did eventually learn. Says the Gemara. He was younger when he heard it the first time around. Maybe he was even very young. Um, and uh, things you learn when you're young stick with you better than things you learn when you're older. Okay? Says the Gemara, hold on, the Kavsa in Zakhakla, can it be that a Hanukkah candle that blows out doesn't have to be relit? We know the halacha is that you have to, the, the time to light Hanukkah candles is from sundown until, right, it's a machlekes, fradam ashkenazim, whether it means sundown shkir or, or sundown seis, because the word shkir can mean either one and chast. But um, from sundown, we'll just say for now, until until the feet leave the marketplace, right? Until people are no longer in the marketplace. My love, presumably that means the cubs are That sounds like that if it blows out during that time frame, you got to relight it in order to continue doing the mitzvah. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, it's Right? All that means is that if you haven't lit yet, number one, if you haven't lit yet, and that time frame is still going on, the, the people are still out and about in the marketplace, even though it's dark, you should still light. And another angle is you need to have enough oil, enough fuel to last that amount of time. And if it blows out, it blows out. Okay. Says the Gemara. That's a very interesting thing to say. Until people stop walking around. Well, when is that? So, until the uh, the Tarmudoi stop walking around in the Shuk. They are the last people to leave the Shuk, to leave the marketplace. They are people from the city of Tadmor. Um, and they are a northern Semitic nation whose language was very similar to ours. What's the mitzvah of Hanukkah? Ner ishu beisai, a candle for every person, right? One candle. Bamhadrin, people who are really from, they're real special, they take their mitzvahs very seriously. So ner lekol echad ve'echad, everyone lights one candle, right? Each one candle for each family member. Right? Bishamai holds day one, you light eight, and from there onward, you go down. Right? That's the famous opinion of Bishamai. 
total opposite of what we do, right? They go to eight candles and they work them. Seven candles, six candles, five candles, right? So the last day is one candle. No. On the first day, you're supposed to light one candle, and then each day you're supposed to add another candle. Okay. There were two disagreed about it. So what's the what's the why is why what's the underlying argument over here? So one opinion is that Beis Shammai is counting Keneged Yom Hanachnasim. In other words, they're saying, okay, there are eight more days of Hanukkah. There are seven more days of Hanukkah. Six, five, four, three, two, one more days of Hanukkah, right? Okay, that's a nice Peshat. Beisil says, no, we're counting the days that pass. So in other words, on the first night, we say, okay, one night of Hanukkah, two nights, three nights, eight nights. Okay. Mechadam Rataim Beis Shammai Keneged Porei Hachak. Another one, um, another possible approach is, that's connected pari hachag. It's supposed to match up with the um, with the uh, the the um, oxen that are offered on Sukkot. Connection between Hanukkah and Sukkot is the subject for another time. But the uh, the oxen that are offered on Sukkot that each day, um, and based on the seder akarbonus that's listed in Parshas Pinchas, each day one less is brought. Okay. The time of the Beisel, the Malam B'Kredesh Yemeridin, Beisel is doing a different thing. They just hold Malam B'Kredesh Yemeridin. You've got to um, go up. You always have to go up in Kedusha and not down. When it comes to matters of holiness, you always go up and not down. And therefore, we just got to start from one and work our way to eight. Okay. There were two, the Kedim, two wise old men in the city of Sidon. One did like Beishamai, one did like Beishil. So he records that there were these two older men in these two older in Sidon who, it seems, conducted themselves like the second explanation, not the first. Now they said the reason is the second explanation. Okay. Hanukkah candle is supposed to be placed at your door. Outside. If you live in a, on a high floor, on the second floor, you put in a window which faces out there. And if there's danger, if, in a, if it's a dangerous period, so you place it on your table, and that's it, right? Because you don't want to have candles burning in your window. Um, I think Rashi here is the one who says um, yeah Rashi says that the, uh, the this was a Zoroastrian religious thing they have big they, they, this fire is a big part of their worship so uh, un, un candles which are not associated with their worship specifically that made them mad that was dangerous uh, this is relevant to um, a and Gittin as well that's why I was wasn't remembering exactly where Rashi explains it um, okay, Amar Rava, right? As a general rule, right? Putting aside the issues we've been talking about up until now, when you light a Hanukkah candle, Hanukkah menorah, you should light another candle, right? We call it the Shamish, and you should uh, you should use that to be Mishtamish Loira, right? That's what you should use for lighting up your personal needs, and that way we're not going to end up using the menorah light as our as our lamp. Which is the correct thing to do? Says the Gemara, like this. 
right? If you have a Madura, if you have a a um, a nice uh, bonfire of some kind, right? So um, that's fine. You don't have to worry. Let's say I have a nice electric light, and I have, or okay, let's stick with the case of the Gemara, not to get controversial, but right, let's say I have a nice roaring fire in my fireplace, which is illuminating the house, and I also have a Hanukkah candle. I don't have, I don't have to say, oh, make sure to add a shamish to make to, so everyone should realize not to use the um, the Hanukkah candle for light, because anyway, there's a strong source of light that we're using. Um, uh, that we're using on the side. But if you're an Adam Chashev, if you're a person who generally uses uh, standing lamps, proper lights, and not just, you know, the oven fire or whatever to see, you need to use, you need to have a Shamish, because, again, even though there is an alternate source of light, you are likely to use the candles for light. So you need to make sure to have a Shamish. Okay, my Chanukah, what's Chanukah? On the 25th day of Kislev, there are eight days of Hanukkah starting from that day. The loyal misbid behind we don't make a hespid, we don't give eulogies. With the loyalist honest behind we don't fast. Right, excuse me, when the Greeks entered the Heichal, the Beisamikdash, they invalidated, they made impure all the oil that was in the Heichal. And when the Chashmoynoyim beat them in battle, they came inside their base of Mikdash and they could not find anything but one container of oil. Right, the Greeks had opened up everything else and invalidated it. They somehow overlooked one little bottle of oil, one little can. There was only enough in it to light for one day. They, a nace was done and they managed to use that little amount of oil for the full eight days. The next year, Kavom, I shouldn't say the next year, a different year, Kavom Velosom Yom Tevim Bahal Voida. So from that point on, they made these eight days of Hanukkah a Yom Tiv of Hal and Haida, a celebratory period. Tanan Hasam, very quickly, Yetzha Yotzimitachasapatish, a spark which goes out from under the hammer of a blacksmith, Yotzavahizik, and goes and burns someone. Chayev, so he's liable because his fire, right, you're liable for fires that you send in people's direction. Now, Gomal, a camel shaton pishton, which is carrying flax, and passing through the public domain. And the large, the heavy load of, uh, of flax somehow sticks into a storefront. And it catches on fire. It comes into contact with the chenvenis, the store owner's candle. And it burns down a building. The camel owner is liable. Okay? However, if the chenveni, if the store owner puts his candle outside, chenveni chayiv. Right? He shouldn't have put a candle in the street. It's not safe to leave an open flame in the street. So then he is the one who's liable. Says when it's a ner chanukah, when it's a chanukah candle, then you're potter. Because you need to expect, right? You should. He, he had the right. He had the right to put a candle outside. This time of year, we put candles outside. This teaches us that a ner Hanukkah, a Hanukkah candle is supposed to be within 10 twachim of the ground. How do we know this? Right, if anyway, you could have put it higher, you can put it higher than 10 twachim. So you should have said, 
hey, you know, you really should have fixed this candle higher than a camel, which is pretty high. But really, you should have put the, the candle in a place that it's not a threat to public safety, even though it's a mitzvah. Just because it's a mitzvah doesn't mean you can threaten public safety. It says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, I don't know how good of a proof that is, because maybe, since it's a bit of a tirch, to put the candle up so high, you're going to end up making him not do the mitzvah at all. So it could be that's not such a good argument. Okay? I think we'll stop here.